Welcome to the Swim Swim Breakdown. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining me today, Swim Swim co-founders Mel Stewart and Braden Keith to bring you this week's latest news in swimming. Topic number one, ISL season three. Guys, in, in 60 seconds, can you give me your thoughts on this new format that has regular season, postseason, and the finale, um, as well as what you think we'll see out of swimmers in this post-Olympic ISL season? This is the big year for the ISL. You know, we've had the glitz and the glam. Everybody's gotten used to the new formats and stuff. So this year, they've really got to capture us with what's actually happening in the pool with the races, with the competition. So that's going to be their challenge this season. I, I think this playoff format is interesting because it keeps more teams engaged for longer versus in prior years, you know, after essentially week one or week two, how the teams are at least which teams are going to go to the final like it's it, there's been no suspense so i don't know maybe that's going to be a little better i hope it, it, it's going to be the it's going to be the same teams I, I don't know that the draft made that much of a difference i it, it's uh you guys can chime in and tell me what you think but it, it seems to me like we're going to see a a repeat of season one and season two well especially and, because we've got all these swimmers coming in as ringers for the playoffs i mean that's it's, you know, Cali's going to get better and London's going to get better. All these teams are going to get better in the playoffs and it'll be, I think it'll be the same old, same old. I think we could see a more exciting regular season, which is a good step forward. I think the draft and free agency certainly helped make it more even. I think you guys are right. Come playoffs and the finale, it's probably going to be the same four teams. I don't have our data or our numbers to really say definitively yeah it's going to be it's going to be those teams but i think at least in the regular season we might see some nuance we might see some things we haven't seen before just because there are some mix-ups in the teams uh, which i really like and i think is 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 a good thing moving forward for isl uh isl is becoming uh, a real sports league and we know that now because it's already introduced load management as we've mentioned uh there are swimmers skipping the regular season or skipping part of the regular season coming in only for the playoffs headlined by Caleb Dressel. Mel, give us the rundown on what Dressel's doing right now. I, I talked to Dressel yesterday, talked to him for like an hour. He looked exhausted. Um, just so Braden knows, Braden threw me some questions. He's like, you have to ask him this. As a preview, he does address the 4 by 200 free relay. He does address the, the mixed medley relay. And when we talked about ISL, he was very transparent. He said, I feel a big responsibility to, to step up. He's a big proponent of ISL. He feels he needs to be there the entire time. But he is also very concerned about, about his health, about his mental health, and, and that going forward. And he used this as an example. 2019 World Championships, he came off such a huge performance. He collapsed in the arms of his uh, family and in tears and just exhausted. And what was weighing on him was, he goes, you know, it was world championships. It was a huge honor. I feel great about the performance, but he felt in his mind a little bit like it was meaningless. He needed to do it again at the Olympics. And specifically, he needed to go and win at the Olympic Games. He needed to win an individual medal. And uh, he, fe he feels now like it, it so much, he, between 2019 Worlds, the pandemic, and the Olympics, he feels a little bit burnt and uh but, so his intention now, is, Chris, is his intention is to swim as much as he can but 
that's that's to be to be determined. You know, yeah, it's it's a one thing to say to say what he's supposed to say, which is he cares about the ISL, the future of the ISL. The ISL is going to be great. He's getting paid to say that, but. If the money was there, don't you think he would have found the energy to go for the whole season? I mean, he he made what he make. We think about two hundred ninety thousand last year, which is good money. But Caleb Dressel made tenfold that at least over the last year. So, do you think he would have found the energy if this was were his primary income source? According to him, he would rather. He would rather earn his money racing and being on a team and having that experience he liked so much than doing the the standard uh, the the appearance. You know, this is the but he's, he's he can't do that now. So he's made the choice to focus on the parts that are are bigger money, right? He's. The, I just, you know, we need to we need to address the elephant in the room, which is. Is right now his his appearance fee, his endorsement fee is extraordinarily high. That's going to wane as we go through. It's not going it, it, to. It's it's happening now. So yes, he's torn. He, he he's he's going to have some big offers and in, 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 you know and they're going to be coming in daily. He's got to make choices and uh, so it's to be determined. But it, it, he, I believe him when he says, "I want to be there for my team." And I want to race as much as I can. And he may do that. I, I think one thing worth noting, and uh, swim fans know this already, but it's like we, we saw him take the break after his senior season of high school um, for his mental health. You know, he, he, he's, he's done things like this before. And I think that's kind of how he operates. He puts not, not to get too, you know, mushy, but it seems like he puts a lot of himself into his swimming. He really throws his heart and soul into it. Obviously the money's a big proponent too, but you know, if, if athletes say they need to take a break, especially after this Olympics with, with Simone Biles, uh, doing what she did. And before that, Naomi Osaka saying she needed a break. It's like athletes say they need it. I think they, they should take it. And see, that's the difference between you guys and me is you guys, love the beauty you guys love the the story you love the athletes pouring their souls into their races and i love to talk about athletes getting paid or not getting paid you know that's i i to me more money in the isl draws more interest you know it's these stories about how exciting it is are all nice and i know that's what the league likes to push but to me, it becomes more exciting when there's more money. So to me, it's it's you, they got to get to the money. Let me let me add some context here, and we'll come and we'll leave this topic where where it is. Um, this is something that everyone should know. If you don't know it, you can learn it from Swim Swam. This is this has been an established thing in the industry. Uh, athletes come off of the World Championships preceding the Olympic Games. If they perform really well, most of their agreements and the lion's share of what they're going to make. That is a written agreement and determined that fall and buttoned up most buttoned up that fall or buttoned up by the spring, early spring, February, March, you know, before the Olympic Games, the Olympic trials, the Olympic Games. So the, the most of his money is there. Anything he's getting now is just little cherries on top. So speaking of getting more money, uh, let's move on to World Cup which might have less money than normal years, but 
we uh, just reported there's four World Cup stops now as opposed to six or seven. Um, the Asian stop has been completely cut out. The prize money has changed. Um, what do we see there just in terms of a shortened stop? And it seems like they might be reacting to ISL because all four stops are in October when the ISL is taking a break between regular season and postseason. I'm curious to see who is going to try to do the whole thing. Who's going to do ISL August, September, uh, World Cup October, ISL November, World Championships December, back to ISL in February. Like, that's what I want to see. Those guys are going to be my new heroes. Um, you know, especially, I, you know, like a Tom Shields coming off the Olympics. He's been gone for a while, just like everybody else. And I think he's going to do the whole thing. And I think he's going to make money. Um, again, I, I love athletes making money and more money. But, you know, this is the new world, right? This is, there's a version of swimming that no longer has to be tapering for the Olympics. And I don't think we're going to see athletes in their prime with metal potential doing this, but maybe athletes post prime where they can shift their focus and do this. I call them circuit circuit racers, circuit swimmers. Um, and I think it's a lot of fun. I think it, it gives us more to talk about and more interesting data points than this whole, you know, Oh, just wait, just wait, just wait, just wait. And then when we wait and it doesn't happen, everybody says, Oh, you know what? You can't talk about how it didn't happen, even though we told you to wait for it to happen for a year. Now we're going to say, oh, oh, no, 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 no. Just pretend like it like none of that happened. Um, so I'm kind of excited about the more instant feedback of this world, but it's going to be a busy fall. And I want to, you know, I want to see who does it, who goes after the World Cup. Somebody's going to make some money that otherwise wouldn't because people are just going to go home. What fascinates me is the business model of FINA. FINA is powerful. They've been here for so, so long. And it's, uh, it seems like they, they rolled back on their heels and said, okay, ISL, you're going to exist. And, you know, we're not the police force. We're not going to slap. We heard that directly from No Wiki and from Dale Newberger. They're like, we're not going to, we're not looking for swim mates and walk around and slap the cuffs on them if they're not official. But they can they have the power to just keep doing this season after season after season. And uh, that fascinates me. I just think that's interesting. On a, on a side note, in talking to Dressel, Dressel was, uh, was he said, oh, I'm, you know, to 2028, to the age of 31, swimming, absolutely. And uh, my 50 free, I'm going to do it as long as I can. I pushed him on 35 and 39 years old. With with because you know between ISL if ISL keeps going and FINA, it's a, and a waning TV ratings in the Olympic Games. These I think these events are, are becoming more and more important. We'll leave it at there. Enough said about World Cup uh, about ISL. Let's talk NCAA. Uh, the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12 announced an alliance with no official contracts signed. It was an alliance of pure trust, which has always worked out in the past. Right, Brayden? Uh, I mean, this is just the world against the SEC, right? That's all that's going on here. They're trying to keep their conferences from dissolving and all joining the SEC, which, which I think everybody on this call went to an SEC school. They weren't all SEC <laughs> schools at the time, but the but SEC is taking over the world. So, you know. Whatever this means, it doesn't really mean anything, right? 
Mel, does this mean anything? I, I think it's all going to become one. I, I, I do like it. I, I think it's fascinating. I, I love the business. I love the power plays. I love the, I, I love seeing, I love speak. I love seeing people when they react in fear, but I, I'm, I'll, I'll take this side, ACC, big 10 pack 12. Um, that, that's, that's a lot of power. That's a, that's a lot of star power on the collegiate level. And um, I know the SEC is a behemoth, but it's, you know, let's, let's, let's give them their due. I, th- I think that they are going to move forward and I think they don't have a choice. That's what that's what you know. Said so there's no official contracts, but this is going to happen. Mel, you mentioned reacting in fear. It it seems very much one foot in, one foot out. They're not merging conferences by any means, but you know they could have a Michigan Cal dual meet or for swimming, obviously. Which I'm sure they're not thinking about that at all. Swimming's going to do what swimming's going to do. Sure, <laughs> this yeah. is not a conversation about swimming. Uh, do, I mean, do you think this impacts swimming in any real way, realistically, especially for conference championships moving forward? Swimming's going to be whatever it's going to be, right? Like, it's it's just they're going to settle football and basketball, and then they're going to decide if they want to have Olympic sports and. The Big Ten, at least, has come out and said, we want to have Olympic sports. Um, and I think the ACC and the Pac-12 have, 12 have too. But, you know, if the SEC says, eh, we don't really care about Olympic sports and they move on, it'll be interesting to see how that survives. You know, I don't think, I don't think swimming needs the SEC to exist as it currently is. Um, but, like, who's the head that controls the snake here is is – the Pac-12, Big Ten, ACC really going to try to sustain college swimming as we know it today if the SEC says forget it? Fair enough. Uh, let's, let's keep it moving. One of the biggest stories of the week, uh, a California swim coach reprimanded, was, was reprimanded for throwing a cone at an athlete at a swim meet. Um, you know, let, let's, play the, let's play the ESPN game. Is this nothing, something, or everything? I'm, I'm going to step in here. This has been, we see stories like this a lot and they, they come through and they're, uh, and I, it, it's hard cause I'm old. And in my day, it, you know, in the seventies, eighties and nineties, uh, I was used to being screamed at with spittle in my face. I, I was, you know, if someone wanted to talk to me, I was hitting the head with a kickboard or a pool boy. Um, it seemed, it seemed like it was just standard to be screamed at and have things thrown at you. I, I know that's sad, but I'm, you know, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm captured and I'm suffering from PTSD and I don't fully understand it. I've, I've literally had to listen to you call and listen to you, Braden, and, and uh, to be reeducated. But um, are you, were you surprised that, that an old person would react that way to stories like this? No, because you, that's, something you say all the time. And, you know, I think people like to make it about a, a soft generation thing. I don't think it's about that. We've seen study after study about, you can argue where the line needs to be drawn, but you, we've seen study after study about um, how the things you grew up with impacts people as adults. And it's, there's a huge industry of, of therapy that's being driven by that kind of stuff. Um, you know, there. I don't think the cone is the end of the world per se. It wasn't a big cone. He didn't throw it real hard. To me, the bigger issue is one, 
uh, Steve Morsilli, this is there's starting to be a pattern of complaints. We we had some complaints about him last summer that weren't super specific, but from a, a current athlete, not an athlete from 30 years ago. Um, and two, a coach who thinks they are so important to interrupt a race of a swimmer who isn't on their team during a sanctioned meet. I mean, can you imagine a, a coach on a football sideline running out and making a tackle? I think we, I think that happened a few years ago, but can you imagine the fallout of that? Um, like what if this kid was going for a best time? What if he was about to get a cut? You know, like I just, to me, that speaks to the mentality of a coach who thinks they're above the law. They think they're above the integrity of the competition that this personal sort of, oh, this kid is pretending to be on my team. He's not on my team, that he thinks he needs to stop a race to deal with that. I, you know, that's that's the old school mentality. They think it's it's thinking you as the coach, even though all these people are paying you, they're paying you money to show up and help them. And you think you get to interrupt a race because you've got a bug up your butt about some kind of unattached swimmer issue. And, and, okay. So I'm going to say this just so that we're, we have full context and, and you guys know that I have understanding because I have some experience with therapy. When this happens, when it's the co when there's the power dynamic between a coach and an athlete, and when they do these things, uh, the athlete internalize it, assumes they're wrong. And that creates shame and shame is the, and shame's corrosive. Shame does not help with performance and it's not a teaching tool. All right. Perfect. Perfect. So on the topic of coaching, we have a couple uh, pretty big coaching changes this week. First of all, John T. Skinner, former NCAA coach, ISL coach, wi a wizard, bona fide wizard of swimming, is now coaching youth soccer. Uh, Braden, give me your thoughts on this one. What do you think? This is my favorite story of the week. Um, I just, you know, I've always had this sense of like, Swimming coaching is not the same as other sports coaching, right? Like coaches try to make it more like other sports. They try to keep lineups private as though if athletes from other teams know who, who's going to, what events you're going to swim, they're going to change their approach to a race or, but like swim coaching, you're giving them the workout. You're walking them through the workout. If you're really good, you're adapting the workout. And then you're going to a race and you're expecting them to execute. There's not, there's not the same level of like game planning as, as Jonty put it, there's not the quantum dynamics. There's no defense. Um, and I've always wondered if you take the best swim coaches, if you took Eddie Reese and put him on a basketball team, would it work? Um, and I don't know because it's, there are certain skills that overlap, but there are certain skills that are very, very different. Um, and so I love to see that he's coaching 10 year olds. He's coaching a seven to 10 year old. So it's not like this is going to validate anything. Um, but I, I just think it's fun. I love that he's doing it. And if anybody was going to do it, it'd be Jaunty. Are, 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 you, are you guys watching Ted Lasso? Yes. Um, Best show. So, so yeah, you, can you go from football to soccer? Can you go from swimming to soccer? Um, I, I think we John, point out I, that so far in Ted Lasso, he's act. I mean, he's been a great coach and, and, it's, he's somebody we should all emulate, 
but his results have been terrible. <laughs> like he's he's about to get relegated out of the second division. Sorry, you you said Ted Lasso. Now I had to go there. I'm I'm also thinking about those 20 Emmy nominations. So I'm kind of I I, I kind of like that um, from the outside looking in. Uh, the interesting thing about Jonti, of course, Jonti was the was he the first guy to go sub 50 in the oh, in, yeah. in 76. Yeah. yeah, I mean this guy this guy's legend. And then uh, you know that's of course from South Africa, but he came to the United States and then he was head of the residential program that our first time residential program at the universe at USA Swimming at what was used to be the U.S. Olympic Committee, and he was USA Swimming's sports science, which they cut. And um, but he is a nerd and loves this stuff and loves sports science and loves making kids the best they can be. So I'm bullish on him being a coach in a different sport. Our other coaching change of the week, uh, Megan Esting, who just departed from swim Mac is now the head coach at Ben swim club, which was a swim job on swim, swim kind of cool. Uh, is, is this, I mean, this is a big deal, right? Because swim Mac has had a lot of turnover for head coaches in the last couple of months. Um, Braden in 60 seconds, what do you think about this one? Uh, Megan, when I texted her about this the other day, when the news was breaking, sent me a picture of watching a water polo game that was happening in a lake with a mountain in the background. And, and all I could think is, man, I would, I would much rather do this in Bend, Oregon than Charlotte, North Carolina. Charlotte's a nice city. And, and I know Mel loves Charlotte, but that you know that picture i was like yeah you know maybe that's not so bad and, and mac is a whole different animal i don't think bend for a lot of reasons is is the same job as mac but it's a place you can have success there's there's resources there there's a growing population there there's an active population there so um it's you know it's it's a injection of life into the pacific northwest swimming scene uh, they've had some a lot of kind of chaos up there, more chaos, I'd say, than success lately. And it'll be fun to, to see how this impacts their scene up there. I'm so angry about this situation that happened at Swim Mac being a Swim Mac alum. Uh, I don't even want to comment about it because she, I think she's, I think she was a great asset and they never, she didn't get a chance. The, as, as a customer in situations like this, they bought out her contract. So she's showing up and been with some change in her pocket because she changed her whole life with her whole family for Charlotte. But I'm happy to see that she landed somewhere beautiful. I also think we've seen her have success in a smaller market before she got to Mac. And so I think it's really exciting. It will be exciting to see how she moves forward there with that. This is a swim, swim breakdown. Tune in every week for your top swimming news of the week.